When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey there, rugby fans. Welcome to another great episode of the Rugby Rant Podcast Show with your team, Ty Braga, Scott Ferrara, the big guy himself, and of course, that familiar face, Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. We are your team from the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. And joining us here today, we have TJ Olsen from the Bonus Point Podcast. TJ, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me, fellas. Obviously, Rob and Ty, I know you pretty well, but I'm super, super happy to meet the big guy. I've been wanting to meet him for a while, so it's it's good to good to get on the show. I love what you guys are doing for rugby in the US. Is it true when they say you meet your heroes, it's quite not what you expected? Oh, it's, I mean, I thought I thought he was great, but he's just basically like a god. He's just just yeah. awesome. He's he's awesome. Please, would say flattering him. <laughs> yeah, he needs a bigger head, right? He is coming <laughs> off a win from the last title, so uh, he's got a big enough head as it is, all right? He's oh, looking at okay. Ricky quite high. Okay. I'm going to being... try and steal it. I'm going to try and steal it. I'm going to try Exactly, that and that's why you're here. And for those that are tuning in, the Rugby Rant Podcast Show is a rugby debate show where our guests battle each other to be able to put forth their best points when we are talking about the topics at hand that are chosen by you as the fan of Major League Rugby and Rugby in North America as a whole. Today, what are we talking about? Well, it's going to be the conversation about whether MLR will postpone the start date of the season, possibly looking to push it back to an April start due to the lingering COVID conditions. So it's an important point that fans have wanted to be able to understand what would the implications be. And we're going to put these guys to the test to be able to tell us what they think about it whether they are for it, and again, what would the impact be? In addition to that, we're also going to be able to take time to talk about the women's game, the growth format that it is in now. Is it working? What can we do better? And ultimately, how do we best serve the USA women's national team? So with that in mind, gentlemen, a quick reminder for you and our viewers that you each have only two minutes to be able to put forth your points and tell us what you think. And let's start it off here today with Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. Tell us what you think about the April possibility for the start of the MLR. Go ahead. Well, I first of all, I like it actually, and and uh, for a number of different reasons. Uh, number one, I think we have to remember the the sports landscape right now. The XFL with the Rock at its at its home is going to be coming back, um, and, and it's not that I'm afraid of competing with the XFL, but. Uh, we are, you know, marketing towards similar fans and similar types of fans in the sports that they like. By starting in April, if uh, the XFL starts when it was when it started last year, um, we would be getting right at the end of the tail end of that. So I think it would fit pretty nicely in the schedule. Um, I also like it because it's going to uh, really allow teams like Toronto, the big guys Rooney, uh, the Free Jacks. 
to get some early matches so that they'll be able to get some home matches and distribute those matches throughout the season um, and avoid having the pressure of asking fans to go to the turnstiles week after week after week, which can be difficult. Give them some opportunities to go to the bar to do to watch party or watch from home. So I think that'll help out. Um, and, um, you know, the danger is for teams uh, like my guys down in NOLA and Houston and Dallas and Austin, you know, if we're talking about playing games in July, oh, the heat humidity is going to be, uh, it's going to be, we don't live there. So um, <laughs> it's going to be a tough on those teams. So it almost flips the schedule on its head from where we're at, you know, uh, with a February start. Um, uh, what I'm really interested in is how the schedule will look either with a late start or without. You know, remember, you have an odd number of teams. How are they going to play the conference schedule with, with a, uh, an April start? Will uh, they shorten the, the uh, schedule at all? So those are some interesting things uh, that I'll look forward to to see what happens. Right. So you bring up some good points there. The first one of which is it's difficult to be able to have your team play week after week and continue to fill the stadiums. Whereas we spoke about this very recently. In fact, you reminded me of because you're wearing the Arrows gear, um, which, yeah, you're repping very nicely. Again, you got all that stuff from the rugby shop, I know. Um, <laughs> They're good people. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, the, the reason I bring that up is they ended up having a similar position. Well, two things. They didn't get to be able to have a home game in the 2020 season obvious reasons it shut down. But again, you brought up a point though, is if you had to be able to then do four home games in a row, it's difficult to be able to ask people to come week after week after week. So good points there. Talking about the weather though, in July, yes, it'd be uncomfortable. You'd make it work, right? <laughs> You'd have to figure out a time, change the schedule. Uh, and then you spoke about that schedule being important that maybe you got to think about what you might be in conflict with because something that, I truly do feel is that while 2020 has been a pretty, let's be frank, crappy year for sports fans, as well as everything else aside, 2021 might be the best year as a result, because a lot of these major events have been postponed that can put additional pressure to find that perfect little window for you to be able to host your event. I don't Keep think crappy middle. even sums it up. Like crappy is, is like probably the, the <laughs> worst word you can use. I, I want to use even worse words to describe this year. I was trying terrible. to be polite. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, we'll, we'll stick with that excuse. <laughs> but, but Ty, you brought a good a good thing to, to light and that, you know, those teams, if you're playing in Houston or NOLA, you have stadiums that you can play a Friday night game, the Saturday night game, mm-hmm. or the Sunday night game to alleviate some of those heated conditions. So that's another reason why I like the schedule in April. Right, for our points there. So Rob made some great points. We're going to hand it over to uh, to Scott, who clearly disapproves of your points. So let's see what you got to be able to share, Scott. The floor is yours. All right, everybody. Uh, the big guy's here. Let's get hot. Um, <laughs> hot down in NOLA, apparently, in friggin' July. Anyway, um, I don't mind the pushback if that's what they decide to do. I think it gives them more time to prep to actually do things. The only thing I am concerned about is a team like Rooney, who uses a minor league baseball stadium, there's a reason the the February to June schedule worked for them is because there's a, there was only one or two conflicts with baseball. Now you're talking about a baseball season and a conflict that's going to be pushed together. So if a team like Rooney doesn't have a an auxiliary place to play, what are we talking about? Now I know Rooney is if they're still at MCU Park is is obviously sharing with the Brooklyn Cyclones. I don't know if anybody else is sharing a field right now, but they could be. So you know, if if those scheduling conflicts 
can happen, especially if, if we have this floating start date. Um, secondly, honestly, the weather's the weather. Um, like Rob said, you can have night games in the, in the, in the lower part of the, of the country. Um, or you can have day games and just sell more beer, you know, let's be entrepreneurs <laughs> here. Let's be capitalists. Um, but my other thing was, how is this, how is this going to affect the seventh team that wants to go into 2021 playing, uh, rugby in the Olympics now? Um, we already kind of know that the guys who were going to try and do it this year had different style of contracts, um, playing with certain teams on a certain coast so that that way they could continue their dream to do the Olympics. But now that we're kind of compressing that timeline together, I wonder if we see some guys, while they might be have a contract, maybe they opt out of playing in the MLR to, to pursue their Olympic dream, which I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, that if that's what you want, if that's what you're looking to do, represent team USA in the sevens and go win this gold, baby USA all the way. Oh, that was exactly two minutes of my timer. That's because I'm better he than Rob. Extra point for that. Cause that's never happened. <laughs> Not that he's on time that he doesn't Wait, go so got the first bonus point <laughs> in a show where a guy hosts a show called the bonus. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> there we go. So let's rewind a little bit. The calendar. So we spoke about this calendar starting potentially in April. What would that mean? Well, the rumor is, is that if it did start in April, it would run through until October. So you so rightly pointed out that there's most likely going to be a conflict with a lot of the players, with the venues. So there certainly is a ripple effect that one has to be able to consider. And you have to look at it from several different angles. And I assume that the MLR has already kind of got this contingency plan in mind. Otherwise, they wouldn't have already anticipated uh, this this delay. Because for those of you who are not yet familiar, the MLR would usually look to assemble players and the teams around about November, right? And then with the anticipation of being able to launch their season, uh, preseason at least in January, following this, uh, that would be the start in February. So as it stands, the plan is still very much the same, apart from one key difference is that they've requested that no team assemble until January 4th. So making allowances for the fact that there is no play conditions or any play that's uh, sanctioned at the moment at a USA level or anything like that. So they would write out the rest of the season. Now that you understand that nobody's to come in until January 4th, and it would most likely be if they did push it back from April to October, we're going to hand it over to TJ Olsen. But hold on. I got to make one point because you're t- talking about an October end date. Okay. First of all, TJ's show is the bonus point, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's what I'm saying. No, but that's what I'm saying. I'm saying I got the bonus point before the guy who actually hosts the bonus point got a bonus point. I'm just saying. That's, that's but, pretty impressive. But you yeah, there you go. point for having to point it out. <laughs> no, but here's the thing, because you you let you let Rob and TJ talk before me. I just it's like a very you. convoluted scoring system. I agree. <laughs> Apparently, so but here's the thing. So now you're going into October. What does that do for club season? Because if you're on a per diem contract, nine times out of ten, or if you're injured, a team wants to see you complete a successful club season in the fall before they're going to sign you for the next spring season. So yeah. if we're now talking about the end of the MLR coming in October. That means a lot of these players are going to be playing through September when they're supposed to be training for a club season. So are they not going to play club or are they going to try and jump in and do it? What does that, what does that do for the guys who aren't fully contracted players? That That's what can I, can I just, can I just make a quick point just before I go you can in take there? Two I think minutes I, to make your point. Okay. All right. I'll go the two minutes then. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. All right. right now. All right. Yeah. Let's do it. So, so I, I, it's, I know it's a debate show, 
But I'm going to sit here and I'm going to go. I've I am all for the April as April start as well because you want to have a viable competition. You don't want to have the race against COVID that a lot of competitions are trying to do. They're trying to get back as quickly as possible. But it's like the economy. If we do something quickly and crappily, like you said in describing 2020, we're not going to have a very good season because it will end the next day. So I think that's something that we really need to take for take into consideration. And just when we're considering the development of a young, young talent as well, we need to focus on the international aspect as well. We have so many international players that have been signed, Argentinians, so many new coaches that are coming in. We need to factor that in. They may have trouble with their visas. They may be in areas that may be contracting COVID right now. And like we have six Argentinian players that just two days ago contracted COVID. So I think rather than rushing back and having it in whenever we were originally starting to do it, let's have it in April and let's do it right so we can have those international players, coaches, trainers, have an influx and help with the development of these young talent that just happened with the MLR draft. We need to get these guys some good exposure and who better than a former All Black like Ma Nonu or some of these Argentinian players or some of these amazing coaches to get them in. So let's, let's do that. And I think with kind of that situation, we need to have a think about the environment we're setting. If we're, if we're able to have those international players play a Mitre 10 Cup season, and because some of them, we just saw a guy from the Bay of Plenty just got signed. He can play a full Mitre 10 Cup season. He can be rugby conditioned, and he can come into that situation ready to go, rather than him just flying over to the US earlier, doing some random conditioning sessions, and then just trying to hope that he plays a good season in the MLR. Let's get as much opportunities for people to get ready as possible, and that includes the league. Right. So a couple of great if points I, if there. I could just say, you know, TJ hit upon a great point, and I think it's, yep. worth, it's worth interrupting here, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this. It's that what like the worst-case scenario to a bad 2020 in a shortened season would be a season that starts, then stops, and then – Will it continue? Will we stop? What are we going to do? That would be the worst case scenario. Just, we need just, to get a whole yeah. season. What potentially could happen in the MLB, like they with the right. with the Marlins, like the Marlins started and they were done in two seconds. Yes. So you'd ultimately know that you'd have to be able to take on a massive leap of faith to be able to say, okay, well, we're committing to the start date, and we just hope and pray that everything works out in our favor. Is not really an effective strategy. So I personally would would would. I probably would then say that it's smart to be able to really seriously take a closer look at April. I'm not committed to the idea yet, but I can definitely understand the reasoning behind it because as Rob so rightly pointed out, it would be worse for the league. Yeah, but it's the point I was going to make anyways. But I'll give you- <laughs> <laughs> but I made it first. With these two guys, they were able to make extra point. Can I make one quick extra point? I haven't no. even finished mine, TJ. Okay, go, 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 showing you the deference to the sir. What the hell? <laughs> so what my point was going to be before I was rudely interrupted um, <laughs> was the fact that, as you said, Rob, is to start and to stop a season is an incredible financial burden that I think might very well cripple a league that is already fledgling on the back of 2020, being committed to being able to pay every salary was praised, but it was an incredible burden. And, you know, if you're looking at a 500K salary cap, and this is one thing that I actually covered in the MLR fan zone quite recently, um, is to look at that financial state. We're not in a position that we can take that risk to say we'll commit to a February start 
So if we, at what point do we make that decision? Where is the point of no return? That's what I want to know. So TJ, you want to be able to add a point. I'll hand it back to you quickly. I'm sorry for interrupting the referee. I hope you don't take points away from me and give me a card. But the <laughs> one one other point that I wanted to add is, except for like take the take the playing and the and the teams and the coaching aside, have a think about the marketing and the revenue systems. We, there's a big big opportunity, big chance that there won't be any fans in stadiums for a lot of teams. This will give a lot of uh, teams specifically and the league opportunities to think about how we can market the league. It's right. they may not have this idea now. Could they have it in three months? Possibly, but giving them an extra buffer definitely yeah. gives them the opportunity to so release. The silver lining is, is that while we have no play conditions, you have an incredible amount of time, downtime in the league to be able to prepare for next season and to build in that marketing campaign. So to come out stronger with an even more, I would say, profitable model um, and or at least a more successful one because you got that time. I agree with that there. But I think I think you guys we we have all missed a big point here. Assuming we're back to play, assuming people can come into the state of New York and not have to quarantine and and all that stuff. What happens when international test rugby starts back up? Are we going to see an MLR season in 2021 that looks like a prem uh, a prem league where you have Eagles leaving teams? to go play internationally in ARC or, or whatever, you know, the Pacific nations or whatever you have. Um, and then, you know, that's a big detriment to specific teams uh, in the MLR uh, in the prem. It's kind of spread out except for the Saracens, but there's, you know, there's like three or four teams that are like super Eagle specific. You know, what does that do to a team like Rooney that, that would lose uh Hank O'Hermesize would lose the butcher would lose Nate Brakely, um, Kyle Sumption uh, probably lost. So that's four players in their pack, starting players in their pack that they would lose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse, excuse me, we like our Eagles and Rooney. I don't know what you guys are doing down in that in that place you call New Orleans, where it's so hot you don't even you want to developing rugby talent, my friend. Developing rugby talent. You can, well, you can't develop you. rugby if you're gonna. Okay. You can't develop rugby talent <laughs> hey, if you're gonna complain well, about the run, no. the conditions. I think no, I'm going to give an extra to, only- to, uh, to 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 Rob just for that crying acting. Well, Noel is the only place that I really know, aside from St. Mary's College, that actually has a rugby pitch dedicated to rugby. When I drove past that and I saw that in New Orleans, I was like, hell yeah, we've got a rugby field that's actually there for rugby. That's right. Mm. Uh, and, you know, well, here's the thing, though. We saw a little bit of that in 2019, though, didn't we? Uh, where, you know, Toronto specifically, I think, was hit pretty hard because a lot of their players are developed to play in the Canadian team. Uh, when they played in the ARC in 2019, they lost some guys. And I think that's one of the reasons why they had a bit of a slow start to 2019 and then came on with a pretty hard surge uh, towards the end because they got those players back. They were informed. But it was, only a couple, it was only a couple weeks. I think it was only no, two I agree. Matches, So. Right. It still does ha- play a role. I mean, we all know that there's – continuing struggles between leagues and teams and the different unions to be able to figure out, okay, well, what are the player commitments? So, I mean, no matter what the decision is, there would have to be a consensus between all the parties. They'd have to consult USA Rugby, you'd imagine, um, and say, hey, this is what we're effectively planning. And if that's the case, does everybody stick to the same plan? 
Um, yeah, so I definitely understand that that could really be a drawback that you're going to have this overlap with player commitments between the national side and between their teams because teams have paid them a, con- a, a rate to be able to play. So no, they're not likely to be able to want to give up their players, especially if it might end up being on a playoff run. So yeah, good point there. And I wonder what I wonder what they're going to do is if if you have a, let's say the state of New York says you can't have any fans at, at anything in, during next season. George Kilbrew, I hope you're listening. Play in Jersey. Well, <laughs> that's generally, generally whatever New York, whatever New York, Connecticut, and New Jersey, usually all three of them do the same thing. So that's that's an issue. Um, but maybe it's one of those things where you just have no fans in the stands and you digitally watch at home for five bucks. You know, have the MLR set up the feed. Don't do it through ESPN Plus. Do it right. individually. So that way, as a season ticket subscriber for Rooney, you get for twenty five bucks. You get the entire home, all the home matches, or you can buy a match individually for five dollars a piece, and that way it's not that much revenue, but maybe it's just enough revenue to keep you afloat. Right. So when you talk about the broadcasting, I mean it's a mammoth task to be able to set up your own network. Now, ultimately, I would rather give my five bucks to the league than to ESPN Plus, um, because I feel like my money's going where I feel it's important to me. I think a lot of fans might very well feel the same way. Because right now, and Robert brought this point up in previous episodes, and it does ring true, especially when I did some research recently about some of the costs that are associated to running the league. It's estimated that the broadcasting costs alone are north of $2.6 million. So, yes, there's commitments. And, yes, you get to save if you don't end up playing. But there are some costs that would be insurmountable uh, if you had to close the league again. So, I think I'm going to be able to go one more time around the table here and get your final thoughts. If they were to push the start back to an April beginning through to October, are you for it and why? And if you're not, tell us why as well. We're going to start where we started the, at the beginning of this round. So uh, let's hand it over to Rob. Uh, I'm yes, I'm for it. I like the idea. Uh, again, for the Southern teams, they could, you know, it gets hot. They could go for uh, night games, which would allow club guys to be able to actually attend the games. Um, the other piece that I just wonder about is could they drop one game on the schedule, go to 15 games, shorten the season on the back end a little bit and uh, get a little creative with the scheduling, especially because you're an odd number of teams right now with 13, right. you're going to have to, you're going to have to get creative with the scheduling anyway, especially, you know, will they go back to a conference system given that the conferences are unbalanced. So it creates a lot of challenges. Why not just, you know, cut a little bit short, um, you know, and, and maybe uh, allow Rooney and, and Toronto and some of those uh, New England uh, teams that didn't get home games, give them um, that extra home game, that additional home game so they can make up for last year. Right. So you, there's definitely merit in saying that the schedule, because um, we will be at a 13-team league, uh, will have to be adjusted. They may even have to consider moving a few teams into a different conference as well. So now would be the greatest time to consider a shortened version of MLR to be able to create the proper opportunity for a window to exist where they are having less conflict. So, yes, I, I definitely think that's a great point there. Let's hand it over to uh, Scott. Let's see what you got. Uh, I'm hesitant. I'm optimistically, optimistically hesitant because of what does it do to club rugby in the fall and what happens during international test rugby if it comes back. Optimistically hesitant. <laughs> <laughs> I like Hesitantly that. optimistic? Either way. 
So, so, that's, uh, so that's I'm, I'm officially the big guy's campaign manager. He's running for the state of New York's uh, Senate seat. So uh, put your <laughs> donations in now. Absolutely. This is your personal endorsement. I like it. There's, listen, there's a reason I got an accounting degree in on English career, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, your PR slogan is, I Would won't stick anybody in the trunk. is off the my, chart with that. My PR slogan is, I'm a better accountant than the Saracens. That's my PR slogan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. I like that. I like that. A cheap shot, but it's it's a lot. <laughs> they're, my, they're my team. I, I can do a cheap shot on my team. That's fair enough. And let's hand it over to uh, to TJ to get his final thoughts here and see if he can take down the rugby rant team. Here's your shot, bud. Well, it comes down to this, guys. It's all about viability. If we want to have a viable league and vi- viable competition, there's no point in starting. Our country is now in crisis, and it will be in the foreseeable future. We need to have that buffer time to make sure that we stay afloat. We don't want to come back in January or come back at any time sooner sooner than April and just hope that it stays. We worked this hard over the past few seasons. Let's make sure it actually stays afloat. Right. And I have a tendency to be able to lean to, um, I suppose like, like Scott, I'd probably be optimistically hesitant. Uh, <laughs> so the reason being, you're welcome. Point, I just guess that you need to be able to have a plan A, B, C, and all the way through to the end of the alphabet, right? Because, Nobody really knows. Um, there are some lessons that you can learn along the way from the rest of the country. What are they doing? What are those leagues doing to mitigate some of this risk? But I guess that's what it comes down to is mitigating the risk. And if you have to be able to do so because you're not financially in the position that you could take another significant knock, April is your answer, at least for the time being. But I guess it's all a wait and see scenario. And you gentlemen have done a great job of talking through these points where the winner lies, you'll find out later. <laughs> Damn. Well, welcome back, Rugby Rant fans, to, of course, the Rugby Rant podcast show with myself, Ty Braga, Scott Ferrara, the Hammer Hammerschmidt himself, and joining us for the first time from the Bonus Point podcast is TJ Olson. He has been putting these gentlemen to the test, and we are in our second round to be able to debate the women's rugby game and talk about how it can be further developed. And, of course, the state of it as it is now is an interesting one. And to be able to help you understand some of the key points about this, we've assembled our crack team here, and that is going to be starting it off with this rant. He has two minutes to be able to talk about the women's game. Let's hand it over to TJ Olson. TJ, the floor is yours. All right, I just want to quickly pause my time. I know this isn't traditional, but I want to just throw out that I know I saw you guys, you have a new sponsor, and it's working with Four Corners, and all my all my conversation is going to be about the development pathway and to have them as a sponsor for you guys and what they're doing for U.S. rugby in general, I just want to say that's amazing. Like it's, oh, I, I saw it, saw it this morning. Thanks for thanks for bringing that up because it really is. A, uh, we we consider ourselves very lucky to be able to do what we do. Uh, I think all rugby fans are fueled by passion, and that's certainly the same can be said for the guys at the Four Corners Rugby yeah. in Colorado. In fact, I think that they're actually the the oldest uh, and the premier rugby academy there. They're also housed the Griffins program for Grand Junction. Uh, they're the original academy. So 
Uh, they're actually just hosting this weekend uh, the Peachtown Scrum Down Tournaments, the second time they've done that. So they're really doing a lot. Um, and on that point as well, they've got some great women's programs that are being housed through them at a high school level. Uh, they go into the senior program. So, yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about is when you talk about rugby development, it's getting organizations like this to do their part, much like we are on screen. There's a lot of other people out there at a grassroots level doing the hard work as well. So thank you for bringing that up and sharing that. We really are pleased. And if you guys haven't had a chance, go check them out. Four Corners Rugby Academy out in Colorado are doing great work for rugby. TJ, back to you. Okay. So for anyone who knows me, this this topic, I'm very passionate about it. And and you see a lot of women, they won't start playing rugby until they get to the collegiate level. So it's it's very new exposure. But after that, there isn't really a development pathway. There's such a big gap between club rugby where they may transition into or they may just stop all completely because they don't know where to go after playing collegiate rugby and high performance. So it's something where we need to figure out now that US, we spoke, you guys spoke about it on the last episode of your podcast, US is in, USA Rugby is in bankruptcy right now, or they've come out of it. And now they've got the opportunity to wipe the slate clean and create a new development pathway. And that's saying something with the 2021 Women's World Cup coming up. You're not going to be playing much rugby. You're not going to be able to identify new talent. Use this time to create a development pathway. So what I've got is obviously you've got the Women's Premier League who is, is the WPL and it's the premier competition. That's that's what it said. But at the moment, I, I don't feel it's the best way to identify new talent. So in my opinion, a lot of people are going to disagree at this point. We either need to rethink how the WPL is run or scrap it completely. And we need to focus on step-by-step how we can develop new talent. And that starts with our local clubs. That starts with our grassroots level. So say if you're a women's player and you're playing for this club, Santa Monica, and you you want to become an eagle, but you don't know how. WPL, you can only play in select cities and only select clubs host host those teams. So you can't just go, I'm going to go play for a WPL team. I know two women over the past five years that have gone and played for a WPL team. They have to move their whole life. They have to go find a job. It's not viable. So what I'm saying is we start a development pathway with USA Rugby. You play club. We get scouts from their region to come out and pick regional teams. So, for example, here you've got the SoCal Griffins, and then you have a representative team. Then you start with that, and you play with that team for a few, have a preseason, few weeks, and then you go and play tournaments in your state, in your in your area, and then maybe have a American competition so people can see in a high performance environment the best players who can eventually become Eagles. And then you, ha- if travel is something that is something that a lot of people will say that is an issue, WPL programs are doing it right now. Or let's make a East and West conference and then the best two teams play each other. We need to have something better that creates a pathway rather than just willy-nilly just have nothing. Show him the cheese. He's over on his time, <laughs> sir. Show him the cheese. Give him the cheese. No, don't you give him the cheese. Rules. I, I, I want to I I win this. Going over your two minutes has uh, taken you to a yellow card. You are uh, in the – not the sin bin just yet. We'll, we'll give you, you, you that. About it, though. It's, it's my passion. Right. It's my passion. I just got passionate. Right. Just, and just, talking about that passion, I mean, you come, you're coming at this from an angle that I want people to recognize – that you have been done the hard miles yourself, having been a coach of the women's rugby game, right? Yeah, definitely. So I've I've coached club teams here. I've coached high performance. Like I've helped coach Santa Barbara Academy. They they're a high performance. Olymp- they were called an Olympic Development Academy. I've coached uh, Far Farah Palmer Cup uh, teams in 
New Zealand. I've coached in Australia. It's I know what works and what doesn't in the women's game. And at the moment, although America has so much potential, it the system just doesn't work. We need to rethink it. And when when's going to be a better time than this whole COVID situation? And with the US coming out of bankruptcy, there's never going to be a better time to rethink the situation. And I just want to add, like the under-18s are doing Eagle Scouts as well. Let's put out a couple of positions for Eagle Scouts for the women's game so we can find viable talent and develop them. Right. And that's what it's about is development is really what it comes down to, right? Um, And then, of course, you need to be able to have a strategy to be able to follow through. So those are all incredibly great points. Even though you got the cheese on the card there, you you did manage to come in and true to form, the the namesake, the bonus point, you came in there and got one at the end. (laughs) All right. So we're going to hand it over to, uh, to Scott. Let's see what you got there. All right. Uh, I want to make this quick. I think the, the biggest thing, uh, actually, I agree with TJ, is is define the pathway. And generally, um, as we've talked about on previous podcasts, we always feel for the men's side, it's start from the grassroots and work your way up. But if we don't have a pathway defined, clearly marked, what's that doing for the women's national team in international test matches? So that's my other thing. The women's national team is ranked in you know the top five, top six perennially. How come they're not getting enough? I feel they're not getting enough love on social media, um, specifically the, the the individual team social media. How come I see everything about the men's 15s on social media and I see a quarter of that about the women's when right now the women's team is ranked higher, they perform better. It's that simple. If you show girls, this is what you can accomplish. It'll help that grassroots effort. It'll force USA Rugby to figure out a defined pathway because you're going to be flooded with all these girls and women who want to play rugby. Ty mentioned it in podcasts, whatever, 10, 8, 9, that uh, the, the fastest growing um, unit in the United States at, at uh, USA Rugby membership was on the women's side. We have to capitalize on that. It's 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 in front of your face now. It's not it's not this sleeping giant. It's actually in front of your face. So that's what we need to do. Right. I completely agree with you. And yes, we had spoken about it before that the women's rugby is one of, if not the fastest growing sport among U.S. colleges. And as a result, the numbers are, are growing exponentially. So, and when you bring up the topic about the exposure and the social media presence, why doesn't it receive the same attention or the same focus? Um, you know, you had cited the fact that, okay, well, if you show more of it, people will know more of it. It's the exact same formula as it is for, for rugby as a whole in America, that you want to be expose people to the game so they can fall in love with it. The same rule should apply for the women's game as it does for the men's. So let's hand it over to uh, to Rob. What have you got to share? So I'd, I'd like to say, first of all, um, like both things that the big guy and TJ has said, um, I think here's an opportunity under COVID to for USAR to push the reset button. Here's what we know. Something has gone wrong in the women's side. And I'm not, uh, this isn't disrespectful to any of the women playing. I know many of them, met many of them several years ago. What I'm saying is, is that um, they were one in, one in number one or number two in the world in the 15s game. Um, and they've, you know, a, a lot of teams have surged ahead of them. And it's one of those things in rugby, I think, if you don't always look to to reinvent uh, yourself or at least have a reexamination of yourself and your systems and your programs and, and think about moving forward, then you're actually moving backward. Okay. And unfortunately, you know, teams like New Zealand have made leaps 
and bound gains over the last number of years. Uh, it's really important that you begin to develop the women's game for the for the whole of rugby in America. Why? Because mothers who played rugby in college or in club sports go on to encourage their children to play rugby and the game grows from there. And I think that's incredibly important. They become mothers, mother ruggers and supportive of their kids, uh, which is critical. And the last point I'd like to make. That's a t-shirt name, mother ruggers. There you go. (laughs) And and so the last point I'd like to make on this, (laughs) I think at least at the high school and youth level, they should actually put, um, women's game in the fall. Why? Because uh, what are they competing with? Well, cheerleaders aren't playing rugby. Volleyball players are playing volleyball all year round, so you're never going to get them. And uh, you want to pick up those track runners, right? Uh, you want to pick up some of those basketball players that maybe want a little bit of a cross sport. So that's what I would do. I'd switch to the fall for girls. I just want to make a quick point as well. As we saw that happen, we're happening in the MLR. We've got a Samoan basketball player coming to play in the MLR. If we get cross cross training in the right. US has been something that's happened across the board in every sport. Let's do it in rugby. Why not? It would have to be adopted at different levels. Now, here's the good news is that while USA Rugby isn't in control, or sorry, the uh, NCAA isn't in control of the, the men's college program, they are uh, in control of the women's rugby program. So they do have the power to be able to, to give it uh, more exposure. They do have the power to be able to give it more funding. It's just a matter of priorities right now sure. because it's not the tr- most traditional sport, but yet there are so many great merits to being to giving more to women's rugby because it is the fastest growing sport among females at that level, uh, and it is relatively cheap to be able to participate in it. So you know these are these are kind of points that we have brought up in different versions along the way. And talking about different versions of this plan, I wanted to be able to let our viewers know here on the Rugby Rant podcast that the USA Rugby Women's 15s had released a plan to be able to correct this and develop the program with the idea of working forward to achieving greater results at the 2021 World Cup, which is taking place in New Zealand, of course, next uh, next year for the Women's uh, 15s program. They brought it down to three key points, and I'm going to read these uh, for you so I make sure that I don't uh, misrepresent any of these points. The first of which was to be able to launch a set calendar infrastructure that accounts for all 12 months of the year. Right now, it's fractioned. So TJ brought up the fact that players are spread across the country. Very seldom do they manage to be able to work together, train together, build a team together, right? Only for short windows. So they need to account for the fact that they're working on a 12-month calendar, not a three-month calendar for their program. So this was one of the first and key points that they wanted to address. Now, whether they have done so is a different story. Obviously, we can evaluate that at a later stage where we on the Rugby Rant hope to be able to bring on even greater guests to be able to share their story at firsthand, what it is like being a part of these programs and as a contributor, they can add to the conversation. Um, But furthering the the, the points over here, building on that, uh, the second one to say was the competition windows include the annual calendar alongside regionalized training programs. So what they essentially meant by that is a requirement must be that coaches have more time to meet with players, train with the players, and to build a positive rugby culture. So there would be a combination between camps, weekends, and it be centralized and it not be out of the pocket of the players. You know, I was going to bring up a great point 
and you probably would have given me another bonus point for it. But I got distracted <laughs> wow, by that amazing wow, wow. shirt. Is that a is that a is that a Longhorn shirt? You know, like that. It's all right, not. All right, it might all right. be a similar colors, yeah, but not. It's the AGs, which uh, we all know is oh. the Austin Grannies, uh courtesy of the rugby shop. Uh, they have been pretty good to be able to give us some nice gear, and uh, that that's all. I'm going to buy that one. I'm, this one's I'm really gonna, cool, though, by the way, because I'm going to buy that. I like that one. I look well last episode, but I like just the simple AGs. Yeah, you know, I don't have to have for me personally my choice. I love that tag AGs, right? Easy, nice and simple. It's kind of like it's it sounds nice and strong. Not to be able to take away from the Gilgroni's name. I don't mind the colors. I have no affiliation to the Texans though, uh, Longhorns. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this is a nice one. I mean, uh, you know, they have such a wide variety. In fact, I think by the time this is aired, um, which of course is being Sunday, they would have announced that they are opening up even more fan stores dedicated to the MLR teams. Um, we hope to be able to share some of that stuff on board, but you know, the guys from much like with four corners and the rugby shop, they do a great job to be able to help us share our message. So thanks for bringing that up there. Scott. No uh, I remember Scotty, Scotty, don't, don't worry about the Gilgronies though. You're going to buy an LA shirt for the Giltinis. Cause that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's my team. You, you give me, get, get me a Giltini shirt. Screw Rob. I love the colors. <laughs> I think I'm all about the colors. I got a hat. An old crotch I got a thing. hat. Nobody else has a hat. Right. Nobody it's else like, has anything. I got a hat. It's like crotchety over there and tubs down there. Give me those <laughs> Miami Vice colors. I love it. But back uh, back to the point I was going to make. Back to the point I was going to make. Um, I think what they do have to do is they do have to, you know, again, maybe the MLR has to step up and get involved. Maybe the MLR as an organization has to say, hey, we're creating these pathways for the men. USA Rugby is in shimbles. Maybe we should start doing the same thing on a smaller scale for the women, just to give them, a, give the USA Rugby a little something. You stole my point. You stole yes! my point. Ah, oh, come on! You took you took a bonus point from me. That's that was going to be. Don't worry, I'm I'm coming. I'm coming for you when Ty gives me the last word. Don't worry, I'm coming. I'm coming. So on that note, thanks for watching. Um, <laughs> so now, now let, let's just dig back a little bit, take a step back. So the, the report that was sent out at, or the mission that was sent out by USA Rugby went on to further explain how they're going to be able to give back to the women's game. Rob, I know we're going to be able to swing it over to you again, but I wanted to make sure I got this down because we spoke about the calendar. So they had actually gone as far to be able to outline what that calendar would look like. So let's share that. So January, February, and March would be preseason. April and May would be development camps and training programs for those dedicated to this, right? June and July would be reserved exclusively for competition windows, of which there would be two in the year instead of just one. And uh, then it would move on to August being a time to be able to reflect. So they would take the opportunity for the coaching staff and the office staff to be able to convene and look at what lessons they have learned up until that point to be able to further their efforts for the rest of the year, which led to September and October being development and opportunity camps. They take what they learned, they shared it again, rebuild on that platform that you already created. November would be the second window to be able to have competition. And then December, another opportunity to be able to stop, evaluate, and then of course, execute your new plans. So if this was the case, it would be a 12 month calendar, right? Um, that would, the point I think that I'm trying to be able to convey most 
is that they need to have more competition to be able to test themselves and to be active and to be able to work in all those plans and to be better. So with very little time available to them to be able to train and assemble their teams and very little opportunity to test the team, what can you expect the results to be, right? So the more time they have, the better results there may be. Rob, I'm going to now hand it to you to be able to share your thoughts in general, anything you want to add to that, and you can also take this as your final word. So uh, I'd be interested in finding out where the the development, you know, at the, um, you know, U20s, U18s, even a U16, where that fits into that structure that you just described, right? Because again, I think it's really important to think about how they can expand um, the growth of women's game at the youth and high school level. Uh, Again, with the note, the fact that, you know, the fall is, I think, an ideal place to attract the right kind of athlete that you're looking for. Uh, because if you go in the spring, you're going to be like what happens in Illinois where I'm at. Um, you're going to be running up against um, other sports that are in conflict, like track um, and uh, uh, some of the other some of the other sports um, like uh, softball, uh, you know, uh, and soccer. So um, if you switch to the fall, I think that would be helpful and figure out how you can fit that window in for the, for the developmental levels. Fair points. I like it. Scott. Um, I, I think, you know, again, beating a dead horse, it's all about right now, the social media to get the grassroots and the kids involved, make it cool, make it look good. Put the, put forth the effort for the women as you do for the men. And I think everything else will fall into place. Excellent. Yeah. Short and sweet, but you know, as you say, you stay true to your key point there and I think it's valid. So let's move on to uh, TJ for, uh, for your final word. So even though Scotty stole my point, I am going to piggyback on it a little bit. So the, the system is just broken. We need to reinvent it. We need to, just like Rob said, I'd love to see as well the, the pathways for the under-16s, the under-18s, the under-20s, because it's clearly not working. And from the MLR perspective, if people are against my idea of the, the pathway that I've set, during COVID, I needed a hobby. And I created a MLR program or competition for the women that work under the major league rugby and i recently just hope the mlr is listening because i recently submitted it to to them to show them that there is potential for it there's the fire palmer cup in new zealand there's the super w in australia there's so many other competitions that you can work under a professional team let's get these academies functioning and give these women an opportunity to have a high performance system and get them good coaches get them great facilities get them an opportunity to develop their game they can take that back to their clubs which is ultimately the grassroots and grow the clubs. We need guidance and we need them to get rugby knowledge. It's that simple. The system is broken. We need to fix it. Right. I we need rugger muggers. Rugger muggers. Yeah. Right. Right. So <laughs> let me let me just circle back around to something you had said. So in your idea and your concept, was that were you saying that you were to say that MLR would host women's league in addition to the men's program? So it would be the each team would create their own academy that would okay. function under the tier. And what would happen is I know that travel and funding was was would be a big thing. Like you, a lot of MLR teams sure. would How be able to fund throw funding program? at it. What I did is I put it into three different conferences. So you've got your East, your Central, and your West. Right. And then basically they play in a competition, but they don't play every game that MLR does. They only play teams. So if you look at the whole schedule, they play – I think when I calculated it out, it's every third game or every fourth game. And the furthest you'll have to travel is at least you're on your coast. 
at least that way, those girls, they're getting their grassroots rugby and they're also getting the academies and they're playing against the best players in across the whole country. I think that's a fantastic idea because we need innovation uh, because innovation will take you forward. Think differently and you get different results. And I, I love that concept there because it does also address some of the initial concerns about the increased travel costs, the increased funding. You know, how do you provide funding for a program like that so you can mitigate some of those costs? As you said, every third game, perhaps you you, you end up traveling and you don't travel as far as you might have to to another conference. And you fold it, you fold it into an MLR game. So what you do is you make right. it the curtain raiser. So when the, the OGs are going up to to play Rooney, you have the Rooney God, women and the OGs women. <laughs> yeah. You, you take the Rooney women and they play the OGs women in the curtain raiser. And right. now you have, you know, uh, let's say instead of having 40 people from just the OGs men's side, you have 80 people and that's, you know, less on the travel costs, less on the hotel costs. You're going to get better rates. Right. Well, one thing I also quickly just wanted to add is that I don't know if this is an accurate um, – depiction of of the fan base but someone has told me that at least 40 percent of the mlr fan base is women and i've coached women's teams i've i know women's players across the world they're the most passionate players and fans in the world and they will go out and support their teams especially if they've got a women's team as a curtain raiser how how amazing would that be right all the shout out to karen gasparino <laughs> and you know it's it's I, I love the idea of it i think it's fantastic i think it breeds a positive uh, image of the women's game to be able to so closely tie it to uh, to the men's program at mlr which is no surprise because uh even at an hsbc sevens level they had incorporated this with the uh 2020 sorry uh end of 2019 into 2020 i was fortunate enough to be able to be at the uh the cape town leg for this tournament and they had you know sprinkled in in between the women's uh game they never normally get to be able to play to a stadium of that size to uh, to uh, spectators that are so involved and it was great it was wonderful entertainment and i think it opened up a few eyes uh for those hardened rugby fans to go well women's rugby is not it's not a game for girls so we need to be able to change perceptions and it is happening but it might not be happening quickly enough and we on the rugby rant would want to be able to contribute contribute more to that conversation by having you as a guest out there if you're one of those fans that you feel you've got something to be able to share when it comes to the conversation about the women's game and how we can choose to be able to be involved in helping it better itself please let us know and you can get a hold of us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod on all of our social media. And of course, send us a message on Facebook. Let us know what you think about this topic by dropping a comment below. We'll answer it as quickly as we can, but really we want to invite you to join the conversation. Gentlemen, with that being said, I think that we've stayed the course here and it's time to be able to find out who the winner of this episode may be. And We've had a pretty good back and forth, and it's been pretty tough to be able to make this decision. I think it comes down to to Scott and and TJ. So, oh. Rob, come on, what about the hashtag Mother Ruggers? <laughs> that was that was a good. How answer. about that? Is good. That's good. It should be hashtag Mother Ruggers and hashtag Hit Like a Girl. Those are the two hashtags we want you. Oh, I like that. I like yeah. that. Let's do that. Like rant t-shirt. Rant t-shirt. Let's get those two. On the back of a rant t-shirt. Let's get those two I'll, hashtags I'll, I'll, wear, I'll wear one of those all day. You send me oh, one of those, fantastic. I'll wear it everywhere. It's a great message. So, yeah. I got I a like bonus that. point. Okay, hold on. I think he just got a point. That's right. Uh, there we go. Yeah, but I'm Man, this is tough. This is tough. Okay, <laughs> this is tough. This is tough. 
Honestly, I think what drove it home for me, okay, let me say first round was Scott, okay? Second round, what drove it home for me, and it was close, Rob, I mean, oh, man, this is a tough one. Uh, I'm going to give it to TJ because I love the idea at the end. He came in and he offered some solid points, but he offered a solution um, that is reasonable, uh, that is effective, and in one foul swoop, should it be adopted, uh, can overcome a lot of the challenges that lay ahead. So I think that's what drove it home for you. Congratulations on the win. And as per usual, accept the bragging rights. Oh, Here. man, the bra- bragging rights. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'll take that. But seriously, <laughs> no, it's it's something that I've, I've had a lot of time to think about and I'm very passionate about. If anybody from USA Rugby is listening or anyone from the MLR, obviously they are. Bring me to bring me to Colorado or bring me anywhere. I will spearhead this campaign. I will put TJ needs a job. Yeah. Commissioner Kilbrew <laughs> is a big fan of the show. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'll take zero pay. I just want to develop well, rugby in the wait, US. Wait, wait, wait. As your agent, my friend, uh, <laughs> let me just put it out there. The bad idea. You never want to start out with that as your lead negotiating tactic. That's that's how much I care. I'll cut the red. But that's Don't how much I care about it. I want to. I want to be there to help make those changes and help develop because the women's game, especially, and the men's game in the U.S., so much potential. So let's do it. Right. Get me there. I will help any way I can. And TJ, let me say that's exactly the reason that we invited you to join us on the rugby round because your passion is certainly infectious, and we have enjoyed every moment here. Before we sign out, do you have any message that you wanted to share with your fans of the bonus point? Tell them what you got coming up. What's in the works for you, my friend? Uh, we've got a couple of different interviews. So we've got a couple of super rugby players and we've also got a new a new sponsor as well called the Rugby Nation. They focus on conditioning specifically for rugby and one of their, uh, I guess, founders or members is uh, former US captain Todd Clever. So I'm going to hope to get him on the show as well and just spread the word about rugby itself in the US. And, and I just want to say from me that the rugby rant, I, I've been following you guys since your inception. I'm loving what you guys are doing. Thank you so much for bringing me on. And I hope that we can both spread the great word of U.S. rugby around the country. It's all about. Excellent points. Gentlemen, once again, it has been a phenomenal episode. And for those of you that are watching at home, thank you for joining us here on the Rugby Rant podcast show, where we aim to be able to grow rugby one fan at a time. And we do that with your help. And you can, of course, like follow and share this post, be able to get more mother ruggers involved. And of course, (laughs) we will be back next week on the next episode of the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Thank you for watching. Bye-bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.